Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by. Hi, I'm Scott Hahn, and I'd like to invite you personally to join me and Breadbox Media on August 24th in New Oxford, Pennsylvania. For a day of spiritual renewal, I'll be presenting three talks, one on St. Joseph, one on the Sacrament of Matrimony, and another one on the Holy Eucharist. Learn more and register at breadboxmedia.com forward slash PA conference. I hope to see you there. Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com, featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith, not just a profile picture. For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com, and the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website is ready to help single Catholics take the next step in sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics. Remember, CatholicSingles.com, for faith, fellowship, and love. Welcome to John Allen's The Future Church. I'm Father Dwight Longenecker, and this is my analysis of John Allen's book, The Future Church, which was published in 2009. We're now 10 years into John Allen's predictions about the future of the church in the 21st century, so it's been interesting to see uh, where he got it right and, and where he was unable to look into his crystal ball and see what the future actually holds. We're also considering this book because we're looking at the time of transition that our church is going through at this time. My previous podcast was Triumphs and Tragedies, a 23-part series on the history of the church. You can listen to this over at my blog, DwightLongenecker.com. I put that podcast together so that Catholics could understand how the history of the church has flowed for the last 2,000 years, how we've gone through both triumphs and tragedies, times of transitions, uh, and we're in that time of transition right now. One of the things I've spoken about was how the church history can be divided into 500-year epochs. The first 500 years the time of the Roman Empire, and then from roughly 500 to 1,000, the Dark Ages, and then from 1,000 to 1,500, the flowering of Christianity in, in the medieval time, the Middle Ages, and then from 1,500 to the 2,000, the Age of Revolution. So now we're at another 500-year cusp, and therefore great change is coming upon us, and great change in the church. In his book, The Future Church, John Allen considers 10 trends that are shaping the 21st century, and then he uh, analyzes those and reflects on how they're going to affect the development of the Catholic Church around the world. During the month of July, I pretty much took a break from the podcasting and had a little bit of a vacation, and we're back now, and I'd like to just make a little bit of a summary of what we've considered so far. You might remember after an introduction, John Allen looks at the idea of a world church. The word Catholic, of course, means universal, and the Catholic faith has been the universal expression of Catholicism around the world for the last 2,000 years. But now, in the 21st century, we're coming to a time when I believe the Great Commission is about to be completed and the evangelization of the whole world by the power of the Holy Spirit will take place. And this means that Catholicism, and all of Christianity for that matter, is moving into a new phase, a phase where there will be uncertainties, a phase where there will be transition, a phase when there will be change coming, and something which many of us will find difficult to face. 
The second trend which John looks at was evangelical Catholicism. Remember, his book was written during the pontificate of Benedict XVI, and he was seeing as a definite trend what we call the reform of the reform, a new kind of return to Orthodox Christianity, to historic Christianity, which now has been kind of reversed a bit by the papacy of Francis, and we're seeing a new surge of liberalism come in, uh, and that is also affecting the predictions which John Allen made about the 21st century Evangelical Catholicism, that kind of vibrant, more traditional form of Catholicism, now seems to be in retreat or at least uh, on the defensive and under the pontificate of Francis. We'll see what happens in the future as the 21st century continues to unfold. The third global trend that John continues, which was uh, in our episode four, was the threat and the challenge of Islam and the growth of Islam. You might remember from that episode that John Allen brings out the statistics and shows that the threat of Islam, while it seems uh, frightening to many Christians, uh, is not perhaps so great uh, as it seems, even though some of the stories we hear here of, for instance, uh, Islamic persecution of Christians uh, is, is certainly horrific. And then the next chapter was the new demography, which I found a very interesting chapter talking about the coming demographic winter where the human population will continue to drop uh, across the world. One of the statistics from that chapter which really hit me was the, the uh, fact that by 2050, the entire world population is likely to be in decline, not just the population of the Western developed countries. Well, the next chapter that we're looking at is John's chapter 5, our sixth episode, which is the developing growth of ministry of the laity in the church. John Allen takes a rather slanted view, in my opinion, on this chapter, only because his own experience is perhaps somewhat limited. He's been based in Rome and working from Rome for many years, and therefore his experience, his his witness to the lay involvement in the church tends to be European-centered, and I think he misses some of the things which are going on in America, although he does touch on that as well. Essentially, in this next chapter, John Allen discusses the growing work of the laity in the church. And this is one of the things we need to remember within the whole history of the church, that in our modern age, in the 20th century, uh, 19th and 20th century, for the first time, universal education began to be valued. In other words, everybody would go to school, everybody would learn to read, uh, everybody would eventually get a higher education if possible. And therefore, with the the educated laity, uh, involvement of the laity becomes more of a challenge for the church. John Allen lays out some particular examples of lay people who simply got on with the job and and, uh, rolled up their sleeves and did what they could with what they had where they are. And this is what's so exciting for me about the involvement of the laity in the church. You know, the underlying theological principle is that all of the baptized are called to be disciples. All of the baptized are called to be saints. All of the baptized are called to help with the mission of the church. But unfortunately, in the history of the Catholic Church down through the ages, clericalism has prevailed, uh, and largely that's because the priests and the monks and the nuns were the ones who were educated, and therefore they tended to fall into the leadership positions of the church quite naturally, not only in the church, but across the Middle Ages. It was the educated class, the religious, the priests, who were actually the ones who were running the law courts and education and government because they, of course, were the educated ones. Now, of course, uh, everyone can read, everyone is educated, and so the growth of the ministry of the laity is expanding. 
So, first of all, as usual, John lays out what's happening, uh, and then he goes on to consider the ramifications. And so, as usual, our broadcast will be split into two. The first is the abridged version, which is available on Breadbox Media and all of the main podcast channels, and that's free of charge. If you would like to listen to the full-length version, then that's available on my blog. It's an extra 15 or 20 minutes of analysis from John Allen and myself about what we discuss in the abridged version. So first of all, let's look at what John Allen says about the expanding lay roles in the church. And he says, goes on to say that there are certain forces that are driving this expansion. And what makes expanding lay roles a major trend in the 21st century is that laity are emerging as protagonists both inside and outside the church. Internally, lay people are occupying ministerial and administrative positions once held almost exclusively by priests and religious. Externally, lay people are taking it upon themselves to evangelize the culture, to get involved, and to act on Catholic social teaching. And the forces that are driving the expansion are saying that this is actually true and reflecting and and echoing the the ministry of the early church. We remember people like Priscilla and Aquila and Lydia from the the New Testament, men and women uh, who were involved next to the apostles in an active ministry of social work, an active ministry of evangelization, preaching, and teaching. What's driving the trend for more and more lay people to be involved? Well, there are various factors. The first is priest shortages. Across the globe, the number of priests, the number of men responding to the priestly ministry is falling. Therefore, uh, who's going to do the job? More and more lay people are stepping up to take some of the jobs which the priests normally used to do. We have to remember in parish life, in church life, what are the things that only the priest can do? It's really only celebrating Mass, hearing confessions, and anointing the sick. Now, I realize the priests are ordained to administer the church and to teach and and also to administer the sacraments, but when you come down to the bottom line in the very simple version, everybody else can do many of those things. The priest will continue to have oversight in a parish because he's the pastor, but he can delegate an awful lot of those other jobs to uh, qualified, trained, uh, and enthusiastic lay people. The second thing which is driving the involved laity is a a sense of competition. In other words, uh, when you look at the other churches and the other Christian denominations, uh, we don't like to see ourselves in competition, and yet there is a real sense of competition in which those other churches, the, the Protestant churches, for instance, are much more proactive in getting lay people to be involved and therefore building up a very lively fellowship and a very lively ministry. And so very often in Catholic parishes, we look with a bit of envy uh, on those other denominations, say, wish we could be more like that. Well, I'm going to show that I think we are actually more like that, but sometimes these activities within the Catholic Church happen outside parish and diocesan structures. The third pressure point, which John Allen analyzes, which is bringing on more lay movement, are new theological understandings. He quotes Pius XI, Pope Pius XI, who said, the lay apostolate have their share in the apostolate of the hierarchy. And by that he meant that the lay role was derived from and dependent upon the ministry of the bishops. But there's been pressure for this model to be turned around. At the Second Vatican Council, the council stressed that each Catholic, by virtue of baptism and confirmation, is authorized to do apostolate. In other words, we're recovering in the Second Vatican Council the idea that all of the baptized are meant to be involved according to their gifts, according to their charisms, according to their personality types, according to their status in life, with the ministry and the mission of the church. 
I must say, as a parish priest, some of our people still find that difficult to cope with. Uh, On the one hand, the clergy for many centuries said that the laity were there to simply pray, pay, and obey. But in my experience, an awful lot of the laity are quite happy with that passive role as well. And so we sometimes have to encourage the laity to step up to the plate uh, and get involved, uh, not only with running the church and doing the administrative things in the church, but also to get involved actively uh, in the caring for the poor and the needy, getting involved in in peace and justice work, getting involved in the pro-life ministry, getting involved in evangelization and apologetics, and really doing what they can in a way that the priest cannot. Uh, Because the priest and the deacons can do a certain amount in the church, but uh, active men and lay women, uh, involved men and lay women can also uh, do so much in the church in a way that uh, the priests cannot. They have... uh, an interface with, with the rest of the world that the priest does not have, and therefore we work together in a complementary way for the ministry and the mission of the church. The fourth thing which is pressuring more lay involvement and more lay responsibility, John points out sadly, is the sexual abuse and financial scandals. A model of clerical leadership that was insufficiently accountable to the local community has resulted in some scandals which are shameful for the church, and therefore Lay people are stepping up and say, someone needs to be accountable, and we're going to hold the priests and the bishops accountable for the scandals which are going on. And I think that's a good thing, that the laity can roll up their sleeves and say, come on, let's talk, let's sort these problems out. John then goes on to talk about the Pentecostalization of Catholicism. One defining feature of Pentecostalism, and by Pentecostalism, John Allen is referring to a a broad movement within Christianity, which is enlivened by the Holy Spirit and is free-flowing and is entrepreneurial um, and kind of defies traditional church structures, both within Catholicism uh, and within Protestantism. And he says, one defining feature of Pentecostalism is the way it empowers laity, primarily through its egalitarian understanding of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, prophecy, dreams, visions, healing, speaking in tongues. They say these are not the exclusive prerogative of a clerical elite, but gifts bestowed upon all believers that might erupt spontaneously without respect to formal credentials, pastoral plans, diocesan plans, and the formal structures of the church. And this kind of free-flowing work of the Spirit within the church uh, is something which is a kind of lifeblood uh, or breath of life within the church, uh, which has been growing since the Second Vatican Council and is therefore a very important trend, and I believe a creative trend within uh, the Catholic Church. John Allen then goes on to discuss various movements in the church, Uh, and by movements he means what are called the new ecclesial movements. More than 120 of these new lay movements, virtually all of them founded in the last hundred years, have sprung up across the church. The new ecclesial movements can best be described as little shoots of a new spring that are happening in the church. Religious um, communities, uh, religious organizations, apostolates that have sprung up across the globe, some formally, some informally, in which lay people are coming together to live the faith and proclaim the faith and minister to to the needy uh, in ways which really harken back to the early church and are connected to this Pentecostalization that John Allen talks about. I'd like to go through a few of them in John Allen. Allen's analysis, but then expand what he said a bit to recognize other movements which are going on. He 
touches on three particular movements which are based in Europe. First is the community of the L'Arche, uh, that is basically French for the Ark. And you might be familiar with John Vanier, who recently passed away. He was a man who was a chaplain for mentally handicapped men, and he simply began to live with a few of these men with learning difficulties or, or, or with uh, mental illness uh, and social problems and built a little community of love and care for them. And these, this movement of L'Arche spread, has spread all over the world and has become a great witness of Catholic compassion uh, and goodness in the world. Jean Vanier was a layman, and most of the L'Arche movement is... Uh, maintained and run uh, by lay people uh, for lay people. The second one, which Alan talks about, is Focalare, founded in 1943 by laywoman Chiara Lubish. Uh, Focalare has reached 182 countries, touching 4.5 million people. Its core idea is universal brotherhood, which prompts the Focalarini, as the members are known, to be especially involved in ecumenism and interreligious dialogue. And Focalare reaches out to help the poor. It reaches out to build bridges with uh, Protestants, to build bridges with people of other, of other religions, and is basically a kind of peace and justice uh, community and movement within the Catholic Church. Again, founded by lay people, run by lay people. And the third one, which he talks about, is the community of Sant'Egidio. And, and, and this is also based in Rome, and it began uh, simply by some lay people coming together to live and work with the homeless and the needy, and to express Christ's love for those who are on the margins of society. And this community has grown and is spread across the world. And these three are typical of the kind of uh, movements that uh, John Allen is hinting at. Of course, uh, we know there are many, many more apostolates. And this is one of the things which American Catholicism uh, has especially impressed me with uh, after I moved back to the United States uh, in 2006 from living in England. In England, there were some of these new ecclesial movements as well. But when I came back to the States, I found a, a kind of great burst of wonderful apostolic ministries going on in the Catholic Church, founded by lay people with a kind of American entrepreneurial spirit. I, I can never forget first discovering this when I began to go, for instance, to some of the men's conferences over 120 men's conferences all over the country, most of them run by laymen who get together and roll up their sleeves and say, come on, guys, let's have a conference. And so they organize it. They organize the administration and the bookkeeping and the finance. They get speakers in. They run these day conferences or sometimes weekend conferences. And then there are charismatic movement conferences, women's conferences going on. And then when I got out to visit these conferences, they had a marketplace or stalls set up for all the different apostolates that are going on, book stalls and radio stations and podcasts and publishing houses and retreat houses and movements for spirituality and prayer and publishing books and comic books and doing videos and uh, radio stations and <laughs> so many different apostolates going in. I can remember going to one in the Midwest uh, and there was a stall set up with some uh, a couple who must have been in their 60s, and their apostolate was creating Catholic bumper stickers and selling them all across the country. And uh, sometimes people are making a little bit of extra income from it, but they're also, many are doing it simply for the love of the Lord and the love of the Catholic Church. One of the most outstanding um, lay movements in the church, for instance, is EWTN, founded by Mother Angelica in a garage because she thought somebody wanted there ought to be a Catholic TV station. And so, 
This kind of spirit, uh, not only in the United States, but around the world, is definitely part of the church after the Second Vatican Council. It's one of the most amazing and wonderful growth points in the church uh, across the United States and across the world. And that is simply lay people who are getting on and doing the job. And this has emphasized also the great variety and diversity within the church. You know, it's very often it's so typical to see the church in terms of left and right, liberal and conservative. Uh, but in fact, it's the conservative lay people who, by and large, have gone got on and started these things. They've started their own schools. They've started their own colleges. They started their own universities. They found the funding. They did the fundraising, uh, and they put it together as acts of faith to continue the teaching of the Catholic Church and the, Catholic, the teaching of the Catholic faith around the world. And I, for one, am thoroughly encouraged by it. I find that these lay apostolates not only proclaim the good news to a needy world, but they also help to keep the clergy in line and they help to keep the clergy enthused and encouraged and help to keep the clergy on the straight and narrow because very often the lay movements uh, in the church are more conservative and more faithful to the church than some of the clergy who have experienced a fair bit of theological drift, as we might call it. This lay ministry in the church is not only the freelance apostolates which are going on, but more and more there is a kind of formal lay ministry within the church which is helping with the administration and the running of the church internally. In 2005, there was a document called Co-Workers in the Vineyard of the Lord, and the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops defined lay ecclesial ministry in these terms. It was authorization by the hierarchy to serve publicly in the local church, leadership in a particular area of ministry, close collaboration with the ministry of the bishops and priests and deacons, and preparation and formation appropriate to the level of responsibilities. In other words, the church hierarchy are beginning to recognize a formal ministry of lay people in the church. As of 2009, there were 31,000 lay ecclesial ministers working in Catholic parishes in the United States. In 1990, there were only 22,000 Therefore, there was an additional 9,000 people authorized and trained to be lay ecclesial ministers in a decade and a half. There must be even more than that now, 10 years on. Furthermore, there are between five and 600 parishes, probably now between five and 100 and 1,000 parishes in the United States that are without a resident priest and are administered by a lay person. Titles for these positions vary. Some call it a parish life coordinator, others a parish life director. While canon law requires that every parish has a priest assigned as pastor, even if he doesn't live there, these lay people are doing the day-to-day -day running of the parish. There are currently, and this was 10 years ago, 20,000 people in the United States in programs of formation to become lay ecclesial ministers, six times the number of graduate-level seminarians preparing to become priests. Therefore, we can see that in the United States, there's a surge of lay ministry, not only in those freelance apostolates I was so enthusiastic about, but also in a more formal understanding. John Allen goes on to compare the global picture and says also across Europe, the same thing is happening where the number of clergy are dropping. The diocese are stepping up their training of lay people to take over and be involved in what's called the church's workforce. It's even extending to the diocesan level and to the Vatican level as well.
Also, this recognizes the increased role, therefore, not only of lay men, but lay women in the church. It's interesting that in the U.S. Census, the particular kinds of jobs that were uh, had a high percentage of women were uh, secretaries and administrative assistants, nurses, elementary school teachers, hairdressers, but also lay ecclesial ministers had a large number of women who were holding those roles. In other words, women are there not only working in our schools, but also working in our parishes, helping to keep things things going. In the Vatican, women tend to be more conspicuous by their absence. As of 2007, there was no agency in the Vatican headed by woman, but even those are, even that is changing. Under John Paul II, two barriers for women in the Vatican were shattered. In 2004, he appointed Sister Enrica Rosanna to the position of Undersecretary of the Congregation for Institutes of Consecrated Life. And John Paul uh, tapped Harvard Law Professor Marianne Glendon as president of the Pontifical Academy for Social Sciences. Since then, the number of women in Vatican roles has increased, and they're becoming a fixture in the, the higher levels of the church, even though they are not permitted to become priests. Well, what does it all mean? What are the particular challenges and opportunities which all of the lay involvement in the church will present to us in the 21st century? What are the challenges and opportunities with the declining number of priests which are projected uh, and the increasing number of lay women who are, in, who are going to be involved in the church? What are the challenges on that tricky hot button issue of women's ordination? Well, John Allen looks at all of those things as he says what will happen. And that's what we discuss in the full length version of this podcast, which is available over at my blog. I invite you to go to my blog day by day to read my blog post, to support my other podcasts, uh, and to help the work by sharing what I do there. That's DwightLongenecker.com. Thank you for listening to this abridged version of John Allen's The Future Church. Hello, this is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo, inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tour's Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019, and we would love for you to join us. For more information, go to my website, AnnaNuzzo.com. Thank you, and God bless. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Jack Kane Ford. Find your next Ford Tough vehicle at KaneFord.com.